1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from four till five on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
2: Good afternoon. A couple minutes after 4 Tune tuned to AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Glad you are listening. Forecast for today, good deal of sun the rest of the afternoon and into the early evening. 94 the high, cleared night low, 73, sunny tomorrow, high 96. Wow. Phils 9-4 over Atlanta yesterday. JT Realmuto leading the way with a grand slam. Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins had a homer, so that sweet spot in the lineup, the 3-4-5 hitters all had a homer. Aaron Nola with a win. They are off tonight, then the Phils open a three-game series against San Francisco tomorrow night. The one and only hardest-working producer in Philadelphia radio, Joe Harnett, has his headphones on, his coffee by his side. How was your weekend, man?
1: <laughs> he's ready. He's he's, he's yes. all set and ready with his At least once a week pocket. you're ready.
2: I mean, you know, sometimes
1: twice. <laughs> yeah, we should make it Mondays. Just Monday. 402 to 458.50. Yeah. yeah. So what did you do this weekend? I went to Baltimore to see my uh, sister-in-law and nephew. Nice. He graduated and uh, from Towson wow. and uh, gave him a nice watch. That's very nice. Yes. Yes. Patty, I took him to Ireland twice. Oh, this must be a very special He's nephew. a good kid. Yeah. He's a really good kid. That's He excellent. and my son get along very well.
2: Good deal. Good deal. While you were traipsing around Baltimore, I was yeah. at the Phillies game. I went Friday and Sunday. You went to the blowout? No, I went Friday night. Well, Friday was a blowout. It was 9-2. Nine, nine it was frustrating because they had more hits than the Braves. They had yeah. 12 hits, but they just couldn't yeah. put them together. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Braves stacked them right in a row and. Timing is everything. It started to look like that yesterday. Fills are up two zip, have bases loaded, nobody out, and yeah.
1: And you say, when's this going to end?
2: And Harper's out, and yeah. then and then then Hoskins is out, and then some, when Real Muto hit his grand slam, everyone's like, ah, just for like an <laughs> inning or two. Then the Braves got four of their yeah, own runs. That's right. That's right. And almost made another game of it. So, but they got the win. And uh, speaking of which, one of our guests today, uh, Bob Brookover, longtime Philadelphia Inquirer. Colin going to join us kind enough. He's been right. writing some articles the last couple of games. I've been at the, you know, every, every reporter is writing their own spin on, you know, what, what their stories are going to be. And, and Bob's questions over the weekend have been geared toward what the Phillies need to do. Before, Before, what is it, three the trade, days from the, now? The trade deadline is Wednesday. Wednesday two days, yeah. Basically two days from right now, Yeah, they have to make a move if they're going to make a move Right. By, in terms of a trade.
1: The only thing we don't have is pitching.
2: Well, that's what Bob's basically been saying, yeah. but he's letting the players speak. And I will say this. All the players I talked to also said something like, we do believe we have what we need here. And Jake Arrieta, after Friday night's uh, loss, he didn't make it sound like we're fine, we're fine. He just made it sound like sometimes you just have to look around the room. And do your job, and like realize this is what we need to do. We don't have, we, we shouldn't be sitting around wondering. Oh, I hope they bring somebody in. Mm-hmm. We have to just do our job, and and we have the ability to do that. So that was kind of meanwhile,
1: cool. we ho- we hope they bring someone in.
2: <laughs> you said it under
1: your breath there, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that so, was my Bob Newhart delivery. Yeah, that, that was actually pretty good. Oh, that was yeah, you. nice thank work you. by you. Also joining us this hour, Danny O'Hannan. He is the vice president of Gospel for Asia. And uh, there is a, a severe water crisis there, yes. shortage, and we're going to talk with him about that. Their program actually airs Sunday mornings called Road to Reality, uh, 7 o'clock Sunday mornings. And speaking of water and all that, on a completely different side of things, on the lighter end, mm-hmm. we're going to be having Mike Love of the Beach Boys join us. Oh, yeah. He has a new album. Coast
1: Girls sorry. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. He, he has, well, they have lots of songs, but he has a, he has a solo record out that is Beach Boys covers, mm-hmm. other groups covers, and a couple of originals. Yes. So we may even sample a little bit of that. So get your shoehorn out, Joe. I got it ready. We have to fit all this in before 5 o'clock. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but we'll do our best. Take our short break. We'll come back with our first guest of the hour, Danny O'Hannon, the Vice President of Gospel for Asia. And we'll keep the ball rolling from there. Also, if you want to win a gift card to Duncan, Rita's, or Wawa, we're going to have to do it by text today. No time for the calls per se. Send a quick text to 610-500-DOVE. 610 610-500-3683. Your first and last name and whatever card you would prefer. And it's courtesy of Brian or Chevrolet. We'll draw some random winners by the end of the hour. It's all happening here on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com.
1: You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com.
2: Four oh eight, The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. I want to welcome aboard Danny Johannan to the show. Thank you for joining us, sir. It is good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, the uh, Vice President of Gospel for Asia. Folks are familiar with that program. It airs on WFIL Sunday mornings at 7. And I guess it's your father, Dr. K.P. Yohanan, who founded and, uh, and is the director for Gospel for Asia for many years. Uh, share a bit about, it, if you would, how the ministry came to be, just from a broad perspective, if you would.
3: You know, when my father was 16 years old, he uh, joined a youth uh, missions movement and spent about eight years of those early years of his life sharing the good news of Christ and praying for people and witnessing and seeing a lot of things happen. And then uh, God allowed him to be able to um, continue his uh, his theological education. And during that time, God put on his heart to start the Ministry of Gospel for Asia, which uh, was to look at uh, brothers and sisters from their own country who knew the language and liked the food and can easily connect with people and see how us in the West could be supporters of what God is doing in the East. And most people don't realize, after World War II, about 80% of the countries were kind of closed uh, or very highly restricted to outside people coming in, um, in terms of doing gospel work. And so... Uh, gospel for Asia was literally born out of some small prayer meetings that my parents would have every Tuesday, calling the friends together to pray, uh, spreading the world maps and different country maps uh, all over the floor and praying for God to send more labors into the harvest field. And from those small prayer meetings, Gospel for Asia was born. And after 40 years, actually this year is our 40-year anniversary of what God has done, we've seen thousands of people raised up in their own countries to be able to share God's love. Over 70,000 children in a Bridge of Hope ministry, uh, which are helping uh, children to get an education for the very first time, clean water projects, helping uh, widows uh, that their husbands have um, been killed by, by uh, you know, tigers, or, you know, the widows have been abandoned because of their social status. So many things that God has allowed us to do to literally change millions of people's lives uh, for the sake of Christ's love. I'm just excited to be part of it, but all of it started with small prayer meetings and a simple obedience to what God had called them to do.
2: Amen. Danny Yohannon, the Vice President of Gospel for Asia, is our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. And this year, again, the 40-year anniversary of Gospel for Asia, and I love how you mentioned a couple of times that it was really birthed out of prayer because that's the easiest thing in the world to skip by or or to just do here and there and not make it the driving force behind why things happen. And uh, so that's a great reminder for for each of us. Uh, and I did have a question because I had heard that part of the idea was helping, um, you know, national leaders, or as you were kind of talking about there, reach you know their own people rather than bringing missionaries in from other countries as often happens. Was that partly philosophically it makes sense because they already are there and they know, like you said, they they like the food, they know the culture already, rather than. Uh, sending someone from abroad it always seems like an k- expensive investment to send someone from one place in the globe to another not that it's wrong just that it's there's a lot of startup cost and a lot of investment that goes into that or was it or was it right. because the like you mentioned it some countries were just closed to the idea it was a c- combination of both yeah. i think people ask
3: that question a lot and especially after my father wrote his book revolution world missions which yeah. i would encourage everyone to get a copy of that because it'll just inspire your heart towards living a Christian life in light of eternity um, in terms of missions, which all of us are called to do that. But people either uh, misunderstood that my father was, you know, against anyone traveling overseas, or this is the only way. Uh, so people will often ask, well, do you, do you only support, you know, and agree with national missions, or what about people that go from different countries, cross-cultural, near-cultural? And the, the answer, it's a both-and. Yeah. The, the right question to ask is, what is the quickest and most effective way for these indi- these people in this country to hear uh, the good news of Christ? And so sometimes it is people from outside, because there's no one there, and sometimes it is people that are there. The particular places that we work in, uh, what we found is people that are from their own culture and know the mannerisms and don't have to spend years learning the language, and well, you've already touched on this, live at the level of the people so the cost and effectiveness is much greater. It just makes a lot more sense to be able to use people from their own country who who are smart and they're able. And unfortunately, um, you know, as the business world has recognized this decades ago, um, it was a very very slow process for people in ministry and missions to recognize that these individuals can be trusted and we can we can see God doing great things through their lives.
2: Danny O'Hannon, the Vice President of Gospel for Asia, is with us. Right now one of the things that Gospel for Asia has been working on, there's a, a water crisis and it's it's severe, something very fundamental and something that we take for granted, perhaps. Um, just give an update on that as far as you know what, what's going on in India.
3: Well, some people will remember this um, just a little over a year ago, almost a year ago, uh, there was actually major, major flooding in South India and Kerala. Flooding like they haven't seen in over a hundred years. And that had to do with the amount of water that came in during the monsoon season it was so heavy and so quick that all the dams had to be opened and the dikes had to be opened in order for, you know, them not to break. Thus flooding just everything. And so you had just an overabundance of water which ended up being contaminated because, you know, I mean, that's what happened during flooding and you can't really drink it. People's homes destroyed and, and everything. Um, and now you find that there's there's a water shortage in South India, just in the neighboring state of Tamil Nadu. Um, just a little reference: eighty fifty two, uh, Saint Thomas, the disciple of Christ, doubting Thomas actually came to Kerala um, and brought the love of Christ at that time. Eighty fifty two. This is a very very early on, one of the oldest Christian traditions in the entire world. Then he went over to Tamil Nadu, the next state over he continued, but then he was martyred in that uh, that place. And so South India is a very significant place, um, both of these states, for early Christianity. Um, unfortunately, in Tamil Nadu and Chennai, they're experiencing one of the worst droughts that they have ever had. There's such a huge water crisis. Part of it is the expanding city, and you got, you know, the Uh, cement jungle and wherever you have cement jungle you you don't have water saturating down into the water table but also the lack of rain the lack of monsoon seasons uh, being consistent and so things are things have gotten really bad where people are standing in line with water pots to get water hopefully from the government assisted truck that comes by to give water rations the government's doing as much as they can uh, to help the people appreciate them so much for all their efforts but you're talking millions of people who are at risk from the lack of water we we don't face that as much because every tap that we open is is pretty much clean chlorinated water but in reality many of these people get their water from either rivers or streams or wells and when a crisis like this happens and those water sources dry up and you're left with no water for drinking bathing cleaning And everything else that you need to do. And so that's what's happening right now, especially in South India. Uh just heard from one of our leaders the other day that, you know, after we were praying for a long time, um, some of the monsoon rains did start coming down, but it's still not enough. We need to continue to pray uh, that so much more water would come in, fill the dams, fill the reservoirs, fill the wells, and that people would be able to be sustained. The people that are most at risk are the elderly and the little kids because they're the ones who can easily get sick and um, are uh, very vulnerable, especially to, uh, you know, heat stroke and and, uh, catching on to some of these diseases that you get from stagnant water, which is not very good, uh, especially during a drought season. So these are some of the crises that are happening right now. Um, You got millions of people at risk from this water shortage that is in Chennai, which is in the neighboring state uh, from Kerala and Tamil Nadu.
2: Danny Yohannan is Vice President of Gospel for Asia. Uh, our guest today talking about their ministry a bit, as well as the current water crisis in India. Uh, we'll be back with more in just a moment. AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Thanks
1: for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM 560, WFIL, and WFIL.com.
2: It's 420. <laughs> it's 420 on the uh, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Bob Brookover, the longtime Philadelphia in- uh, Inquirer, columnist and uh, reporter, going to be joining us in just a little bit. Also, uh, we have Michael Love of the Beach Boys. He'll be uh, chatting with us, too, about his new record. Uh, but first, before any of that, we have a conversation going with Danny O'Hannan. On the serious side, you know, uh, uh, he's the vice president of Gospel for Asia, and we've been talking about the ministry some, but also the water crisis that's happening there. Uh, often when folks chat about the weather, it's considered small talk. Today, anything but. Tell us a little bit more about the weather in India and, uh, and and the water crisis going on. So there's two main
3: kind of raining monsoon seasons. There is the kind of the May to September monsoon season, which is supposed to be now. It actually starts in a heavy way like end of June, July, August, September. And then you have the November, December rains. Uh, which is supposed to happen too, and what's the problem is the present monsoon rains are not happening as they should, which throws everything off, mm. from wells being filled to farmers being able to plant, and so it's just it's just it's a, it's a cascading problem, where if you don't have water, people get sick, and then the hospitals can't contain that, and then the government is trying to catch up with things, kids don't go to school because there's no water at school, so. You can kind of see it. It's just kind of this ongoing cascading problem. And if you pay attention to the news, um, it does happen around around the year where farmers will actually commit suicide because they have no ability to grow crops, which means they have no ability to take care of their family, and they basically lose all hope. Wow. And so the government's doing as much as they can. We're doing as much as we can in terms of you know Jesus Wells and Biosand filters.
2: Yeah, we've actually been mentioning those Jesus wells and the uh, biosand filters on the air as we talk about Gospel for Asia's 40-year anniversary uh, this month on the station. Chatting with Danny O'Hannon, by the way, if you're just tuning in, it's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Danny is the vice president of Gospel for Asia. Their program, Road to Reality, airs Sunday mornings at 7. Tell us a little bit more then about those uh, Jesus wells and those biosand water filters
3: in places where. There is no access to any kind of water. I mean, dirty water, good water, bad water. Uh, One of our major efforts is to provide these uh, bore wells. Kind of looks like you know when you watch the old cowboy movies, Bonanza, and you watch uh, you know Lone Ranger. You got these old-timey pump wells, which those mechanics are still used in windmills even today. I'm talking the old style windmills that are 100 years old and still go on forever. But Those types of wells are put into villages for everyone to have access, and there's two reasons for that. One is, if you are part of the strata of society where you're part of the lower class, you're not supposed to be taking water for the common well in the village because you're considered to be unclean, and so you have to go sometimes miles away to get water, and usually it's the women and the children that are girls, and so which prevents a lot of these girls from going to school, endangers them, um, and some of them end up being kidnapped or, because of a lack of education, end up in bothered labor or forced labor or even the sex trade. By bringing water into the village and everyone having access to it, you're providing life to everyone Mm. and helping everyone to stay more healthy. They don't end up wasting money that they don't really even have on medicine. It helps the children to go to school because they're not fetching water all day. Um, It helps the women because they're not, you know, away from their families. Uh, fetching water, and keeps them, you know, more healthy. Sure. Um, that is what we do. We call them Jesus wells, because, you know, Jesus said, living water will flow out to me when, when, when he's talking to the, the, the woman at the well. So we put these wells in these places, and everyone has access to it, and there's so many incredible stories about how people's lives have been completely changed when they come to the Jesus well to get fresh, clean water in places where there is dirty water or there is water available, but it's kind of contaminated, usually ponds. And, and the reason it's contaminated is because they're washing their animals in the ponds and they're cleaning their pots and pans in the ponds, and, and just everything is used as just a, a water source. And unfortunately, it's just contaminated and dirty. Uh, we, we use what is called biosand filters. And it's it was invented by a Canadian uh, engineer or scientist that wanted to, figure out a way that in any place in the world, using local materials, you could create a sand filter, which is different levels of sand, and you pour dirty water on the top, and out this little spout comes clean water through the filtration system. Uh, and it's, it's amazing how it works. And so those go inside people's homes, and you pour like a bucket of dirty water through the top and drinkable water comes out the out the spout wow. now just to test this I actually use one of these for about a month and got pretty much about every day got a, a bucket of water small bucket of water and dumped it through the top and then that's the water I I used to drink and and make my tea and everything else with and I'm still here I'm alive I'm not dead yet wow so, um, it actually amazing. does work it's very very effective well uh, and it helps people to be able to use dirty water and to turn it into clean water.
2: So I'm just thinking as you're speaking there, if folks wanted to help out with the current water crisis, uh, obviously a couple of main ways. Maybe one is helping, maybe go to the website gfa.org and and look up the Jesus Wells and or the BioSand water filters and perhaps help with something toward that. And of course, like Elijah did in 1 Kings, uh, pray. <laughs> you know, Pray for rain. Pray for what's necessary. The Lord could, would send that.
3: Exactly. I think, I think there's probably two or three things that people can do very practically. One is definitely people can pray. That is something that every single person can do to be able to um, you know, bring their heart into alignment with God's heart. You know, When Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. If our heart doesn't burn with compassion, when we read on the news or watch TV and, and we see things, and, and things are not stirring us, something's wrong with us. We need to be praying for God's compassion for us but pray specifically for the monsoon rains in in India and Sri Lanka and some of these places that desperately need water during this time. It's incredibly crucial. I would encourage every church this Sunday to have these five minutes out of their service that they could just pray for the water crisis that's happening, because this is affecting millions of people. Five minutes we can do it out of our service to intercede for this. Second, I would encourage every single person to go to gfa.org and to check out what Gospel for Asia is doing in terms of bringing hope and healing in places that need water. Third, is use our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else we use, to share this with our friends. This is not an awareness campaign. This is an opportunity for us to engage with the very heart of God and do something to bring God's love tangibly to people. And so I would encourage people, go to gfa.org. You can get plenty of prayer requests, plenty of opportunities to do something, and then use those also to share it with your friends and your coworkers, and your classmates. The the most important thing is that we don't just close our eyes and move on to the next thing, but that our heart is touched, and we do something.
2: Yeah, and in general, Gospel for Asia, obviously, there's, there's a lot of work that's being done uh, that is showing it, for sure, because you're living it. In terms of, like, just sharing the gospel, do those opportunities come up as the help is being distributed, perhaps, or just kind of, uh, you know, how different organizations do things a little bit differently? Is there uh, an approach gospel for Asia tends to take?
3: You know, very often um, when things happen, usually all over uh, the mission field is, um, as, we, as we are either helping people with a Jesus well or during our Christmas campaign where we're giving animals and, and different tools for people to have kind of a small business, um, different opportunities like this, so many people will ask, you know, why are you doing this? And especially if you're working among people who kind of are in, kind of like I mentioned before, kind of the, the, the broken part of society where they're kind of forgotten, they're the forgotten people, they they say, you know, no no one else helps us, why are you helping us? And then we tell them it's because the love of Christ. We love Christ, and we want you to know Him also, and we want you to experience His love. Mm. And they literally will break down crying and weeping and saying, wow, we've never experienced this before, and it just opens the door for us to be able to practically share about Christ's love. And so, uh, sometimes we were able to do things more directly, and something, sometimes uh, things just are open doors all over the place. Many times, uh, wherever our people will go, there will be people who are sick or, um, in need of prayer. And as we pray, God, in His, His great mercy, will touch them and heal them. And the same question happens, like, my goodness, I've never experienced this. Like, we, we, we've done all these other things. We went to doctors and nothing worked. And yet, when we, when you pray, and, and Jesus answer your prayer, can you please tell us more about this Jesus mm. that this is a very common thing all over the place. and so um, absolutely Christ's love is always going forth with a clear message of the importance of knowing him. Um, and it's just you know it's so much like you know the need is out there and to pray what Jesus said pray for more labors. It's not that we need to pray for more need. There's plenty of need. We just need to pray for more labors and more of us to connect with the labors uh, like we read in Romans. You know, those people can go as long as someone's back there praying and sending them, and we can be part of what God is doing.
2: Amen. Amen. Uh, Danny Yohanan, been our guest, Vice President of Gospel for Asia. We're really appreciative of your time and for keeping us up to date on what's going on. And again, folks can look at uh, the website gfa.org to keep uh, abreast of what's going on and and if they want to get involved. And certainly, as we've talked about, I can pray. Thank you so much again for uh, for hanging out with us a bit and, and sharing what's going on. Thank
3: you. It's my privilege.
2: Danny O'Hannon, Vice President of Gospel for Asia, July marking the 40-year anniversary of their ministry. Uh, getting started, you can catch again their radio program Road to Reality Sunday mornings at 7 on WFIL. Also, more info on what they're up to at gfa.org. A lot of sunshine the rest of the afternoon. 94 is the high, down to 73 tonight with clear skies. Sunny, a high of 96 tomorrow. Phil's managed to salvage Game 3 of their three-game set with Atlanta after losing Friday and Saturday. JT Realmuto with a grand slam. Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins also homered. Aaron Ola got the win. They open a three-game series tomorrow night at home against San Fran. After the break, we're going to bring in the – longtime Philadelphia Inquirer columnist, Bob Brookover. He's got some ideas about this trade deadline coming up on Wednesday and what the Phils perhaps should do if they really want to get serious with the playoffs and make a strong push. That's coming up in just a moment, as well as Mike Love of the Beach Boys. He has a new record out. We'll chat that up and play a couple of songs if we can. Whatever we can stuff in the second half of this hour here, it's Tim DeMauge Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com.
1: Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues.
2: 433, Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to let a friend know about the broadcast and the station. We continue our program today with Bob Brookover. Longtime reporter, columnist with the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey Bob. Hey Tim, how's it going? Wonderful. How many years have you been with the Inquirer?
4: Uh, 2000. uh, I just (laughs) celebrated my 19th anniversary a couple of days ago.
2: Wow! Congratulations. How many columns do you think you've written over the years? Uh, Ballpark, so to speak.
4: Uh, Oh, (laughs) yeah. It's hard. It's hard. you, You average. You average, pro- you know, I was a beat writer for a long time. So in the beat writer days, you probably average about 400 stories a year. In columns, you probably average between 150 and 200 a year. And then you multiply that by 19. Wow. This is the Inquirer, I, and I'm not good at math. That's why I'm a writer. Wow,
2: that's <laughs> unbelievable. Do you have, do you actually have many of them in, you know, somewhere in some form to refer back to? Well,
4: or- the, the Inquirer has a, a library, uh, and they also have. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's actually one of my favorite things. We have a, a historical site where you can go back and look at Philadelphia Inquirers since the paper existed. There's a, there's a great story about, uh so I have uh, some some relatives up in North Jersey, in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Their grandfather's name was a guy named Johnny Gibson, who was an, uh, an Olympic hurdler. And I was doing some research one day. Nothing to do with that, but I came across this headline at the top of the Philadelphia Inquirer from like 1927. His name was Johnny Gibson. Johnny Gibson beat, beat somebody in the hurdle somewhere. Wow! I was like, oh my gosh, because they had told me about this guy, and I took a picture of it and sent it and texted it to him. They couldn't believe it. So it's that—that's oh,
2: incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. We're chatting with Bob Brookover, who's been with the Inquirer now 19 years, and a couple of your most recent columns have had to do with the Phillies and the uh, MLB trade deadline, which is this Wednesday at 4 o'clock. So just first things first with a broad brush, what's your overall take on what the Phillies should do? I know there are a lot of variables, but...
4: Yeah, well, to me, they you know, the best message they could send their players right now in that current clubhouse is go get a pitcher, you know, and, hey, we believe in you. They're saying anything is possible. They're right, anything is possible, and... I'm kind of writing this a little bit for you know, the newsletter we do tomorrow. The living proof that anything is possible is, is about to enter their ballpark because at the end of May, the San Francisco Giants had the second-worst record in the National League, 12 games under five hundred. At the end of June, they were 11 games with the second-worst record in five in baseball or in the National League, and they come to the ballpark very much in the wild-card race after going 18-5 and five so far in July. Proof that anything is possible because everybody thought the Giants were Absolutely one of the worst teams in baseball, but here they are because they're in it. If the Phillies go on an 18-5 run, if the Giants can do it, the Phillies certainly are capable of doing it. they go on an 18-5 run, they're going to have a pretty good uh, positioning in that wild-card race, I think, over a 23-game stretch.
2: So pitching versus anything else versus another bat or a bullpen arm, you know, you could always improve in some way depending on what presents itself. But everything also has a cost. So let's say we focus on the pitching. Your column from this past Friday – speaks to the potential cost of having to give up at least one of their, their most recent uh, first-round draft picks. So.
4: Right, and, I, and and that I'm talking about a guy's like, like a Stroman or, you know, after I wrote that, uh, Bumgarner wrote pretty much came off the board because of the Giants playing well. You know, I don't think, a, you know, if you wanted to get a guy like Syndergaard, who I don't think they'd trade to the Phillies anyway, I think you needed to give up somebody like that. Or Matthew Boyd from the Tigers is another name out there and maybe even a Robbie Ray. To get like a Tanner Rourke, I don't know that I would give up one of those two guys. Uh, I might give up some lesser prospects for for those guys. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Given Trevor Bauer's talent, talent-wise, I might <laughs> give up one of those guys. But He could be an outfielder. Because he's so, because he's so, yeah. because he's so somebody to catch the ball after he throws it. Uh,
2: yeah, uh, for those who missed that Trevor Bauer of the Indians, I uh, was a little frustrated Terry Francona, who of course managed here. Back in the late '90s, uh, he got a little frustrated about being taken out of the game and hurled the ball over the center field fence rather than hand it to the skipper. So it was not the most mature yeah. display of whatever.
4: Right. But. I don't know that I'd give up a real prospect him for him. Great prospect for him.
2: Well, the two players obviously we're talking about Mickey Moniak and Adam Hazley, who were you know top draft picks in 2016 and 17. Do you think if the Phillies traded one of them, there's more pressure to trade uh, Hazley? Or I mean. There'd be more pressure if they traded Moniac because he was actually the number one pick the entire year as opposed to just being a first round pick. Like they should stick with him longer.
3: Hazy was eighth
4: overall. So, I mean, there's, and and if if you remember, the Phillies kind of finagled things the Moniac year because I, I don't think a lot of people thought he was the overall 1 1 talent wise, yeah. but they were trying to set up some things to get a more of a player in the second round with the first overall pick in the second round, which ended up being Kevin Gowdy, who hasn't is still trying to find his way uh, through the minor leagues. He missed last year after I'm pretty sure it was Tommy John, but I don't think that matters that much, you know, be, those, because those, there's not that big a position. You just got, you got to decide which one you think is going to end up being the better player. Uh, and that's, it's really a tough call. I've been talking to the scouts, they were divided, and there's no easy, easy call on those two because a lot of people think they're going to be pretty good big league players. Most people don't think they're going to be superstars, but you know, there's certainly a need in the game for solid big league players.
2: Yeah, Bob Brookover, kind enough to spend a few minutes with us, longtime columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and done a lot of other work over over the years. And uh, you know, the pitching. Obviously, I was thinking back to 2008 when the Phillies won. And thinking of that rotation as Hamels, and then the others, Myers and Moyer and Blanton and King, you know, Kyle Kendrick, whatever. I mean, they they certainly did well enough. But you look at the current group with Aaron Nola and I don't know what you call the rest of the team, like the the, the wild cards, the question marks. I mean, if it's Aaron and the the, the other four, uh, Drew Smiley being the the wild card, you know, the newest newest member of the team. You right. know Because back then they did go with a four-man rotation. I guess I don't know if things have shifted schedule-wise or the way. What is, what is your take on if you can get three pitchers capable that can get you through stuff rather than have to necessarily have a super strong fourth pitcher to, to necessarily go to? So maybe they can get away. Yeah, they, yeah.
4: I mean, that wasn't a that wasn't a great staff, but they added Blanton. They a Blanton at the trade deadline, uh, which, which helped them certainly. Uh, he wasn't by any means a superstar, but he was the solid solid pitcher who you know could give them some. Innings, that's what they, what they need right now is a guy who can go six innings and allow three runs. You know, just, just to stabilize this staff a lot. Cause they got with Arietta pitching with his bones for, they've just got Nola and four other guys who really struggle to get through five innings right now. And that's, that's not going to cut it. If they could just get a guy who, who they could count on to go six innings every fifth day, most of the time, that would, who would represent a, a, a huge upgrade. Even, even if the guy has a, a 4-1 ERA, you know, which doesn't sound, doesn't sound great, but in today's baseball, a 4-1 ERA is, is better than people realize. Yeah.
2: So well, and then so it strengthens everything, right? Because then it pushes everybody down a notch and then someone to the bullpen, like Pavetta's now in the bullpen, at least for now, it seems like, and he's doing well in the short time he's been it, there. So,
4: it, Right. It seems like he, It seems like a decent fit for him. And the bullpen overall has been trending upward in the month of July. You know, you've had especially from the three lefties, uh, Morgan Suarez and um, Alvarez, have kind of given them a, a, a strength in that regard of, you know, being able to get left-handed hitters out. The, the focus here has to be on trying to get a, a pitcher. And if, they, if he could get two, that would be a miracle worker. And all of a sudden I would, you know, if somehow you could get Zach Wheeler or Zach Wheeler and Tanner Rourke or Zach Wheeler and Matthew Boyd or Tanner Rourke and Matthew Boyd, and you could put Miner in that group too. If you could get two of those guys, I think all of a sudden you're you're in position to have a you know a decent staff here for the rest of the season.
2: Last question for you: What does your gut tell you the Phillies will do? You've said what you think they should do. What do you think they will do?
4: I think they'll get at least one pitcher. I'll be surprised if they don't have at least one new starting pitcher uh, in that rotation by four o'clock Wednesday.
2: Okay. And you mentioned uh, your extra innings newsletter too. If folks wanted to uh, sign up for that, how's, how how do they do that?
4: Oh that's a good question. I <laughs> uh, If you google com, and if you and if you actually read through the top the top part of it there's always a link to, to sign up anytime you want.
2: Okay. That's so, great. Uh, it's
4: free and it, it's free to sign up.
2: And how often do you do it?
4: It's done Monday through Friday. It Shows up in their email Monday through Friday uh, throughout the season and then it gets scaled down off season to one day a week. Good. Good
2: stuff. Bob, thanks for taking time, man. You got it, Tim. All right. Have a great rest of your day.
4: All right. You too. Take care.
2: Bye-bye. That's Bob Brookover with the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can follow him on Twitter as well at BrookOB, at BrookOB. We'll shift gears once again and go cruising in just a moment with rock and roll Hall of Famer Mike Love of the Beach Boys. He has a new record out called 12 Sides of Summer. Let's give you a quick sample of that heading into the break. And then we'll come back. With Mike and the Beach Boys. This song's called Rockaway Beach, cover of a Ramones song. Chewing
5: out a rhythm on my bubble gum. The sun is out, and I want some. It's not hard, not far to reach. We can hit your ride to Rockaway Beach. Rock, rock, Rockaway Beach. Rock, rock, Rockaway Beach. Rock, rock, Rockaway Beach. We can hit your ride to Rockaway Beach.
1: Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL? Email D at wfil.com. AM
2: 560 WFIL, WFIL wfil.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Mike Love of the Beach Boys is going to be joining us in a moment. From his 12 Sides of Summer CD, here's a sample Summertime Loose.
5: Summer Just to try to earn a dollar. Every time I call my baby to try and get a date, my boss says, No, die, son, you gotta work late. Sometimes you wonder what I'm gonna
2: do, cause there ain't no cure for the summertime.
5: The,
0: summertime
2: the city's called 12 Sides, <clears throat> excuse me, of summer. We now bring on our special guest a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Mike Love of the Beach Boys, to WFIL. Are you talking F-I-L in that, Philadelphia? Yeah, it's us. Yeah. Shoot. Hey, I, hey.
5: I, I, was, I had problems being from the West Coast. I had problems spelling it.
2: <laughs> how, how are you today? Doing all right?
5: I'm doing great. We did a balloon festival. Uh, where was it? Oh, yeah. Reddington, New Jersey. Uh, and uh, there's a few thousand of our closest friends that came out, and that was a, it was a fantastic show. And then I got into the city and and uh, got ready for this laborious task of phoning <laughs> radio stations.
2: <laughs> well, I hope it's not too laborious to chat about the new record because I like it a lot. It's got a lot of energy. And did it turn out as the way you had hoped in the end? When you step back from it,
5: I think better in certain ways. Here comes the sun blew my mind to, uh, recording that because my, our musical director Scott Totten he produced it and. Not to say that he's a big Harrison fan, but he named his kid Harrison.
2: so <laughs> Just might be. Yeah. <laughs> he
5: gives you an indication. So, yeah, he is um, an extremely talented guy, and he knows more about our music than I do. Let's put it that way. But wow. he did this beautiful arrangement, and including the harmonies and stuff. It's just celestial. So it, and I approached it with a degree of reverence is the right word because George Harrison was a great guy, is a great soul, left us some great music. I love that song forever, but well, since since, since I first heard it. But to be able to do it on 12 Sides of Summer was really special.
2: Yeah, you know, a couple of the other non-Beach Boys songs you covered, I think Summertime Blues and Rockaway Beach were my favorites as well. Oh, they
5: have so much energy, and we do them virtually every night. In fact, we've always done, uh, not always, but we've done Summertime Blues a lot live. Uh, it's a request when John Stamos comes out and plays with us, we have to do it because he demands that we do it. You know, yeah, such a pain anyway. <laughs> so, so, but Rockaway Beach, the minute we finished recording it, it was, we said the band and, and the the vocalists, everybody said, well, We got to do this song, and, and it went right into our encore big yeah. time.
2: And, and as far as the Beach Boys songs that you covered, um, the Surfing Safari version. It has a funky feel to it, and and I I know you have your early musical influences included R and B, which some folks may not realize is the well, case.
5: Well, the surfing was our first song. Bump, bump, dip, 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 That's kind of a doo wop influence. Right? Yes, yes. And so, yeah, we love R and B. I used to sp- spend most of the night listening to R and B stations when I was growing up in in L A. And um, you know, do whether it was doo wop or or, or R&B, blues, yeah. all that stuff was it was cool. But, you know, of course, the Everly Brothers were a, a very popular, uh, you know, thing for us. But we would take their two-part harmony and make it into three. And um, so Everly Brothers, Chuck Berry, the Four Freshmen, those were the big influences along
2: with doo-wop and R&B that um, informed the Beach Boys, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, Mike Love of the Beach Boys, our guest. Let's, uh, the new album, 12 Sides of Summer, 90 degrees today plus. Let's take that uh, Surf and Safari song for a spin. Continue our conversation in a second with Mike Love, the Beach Boys, on AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in.
3: Let's go surfing
1: now. Everybody's learning how. Come on a safari with me.
5: Come on a safari with me. Early in the morning, we'll be starting out. Some honeys will be coming along. Let's go surfing now. How,
2: come on a with, me. Come on a with <laughs> safari, 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 AM 560, WFIL, WFIL. WFIL, Tim DeMoss Show. Safari, <laughs> the new 12 Sides of Summer CD. Let's
0: go surfing now, surf surfing Safari.
2: Now, on safari Rita, Mike Love of come the Beach Boys is our guest. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you heard a Beach Boys song on the radio? Yeah, it was called
5: Surfin', and it came out in the fall of 1961. And there, was a, 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 there were like four or five songs played on this radio station. There was a contest. The one that got the most phone-ins would be the record of the next week, and they'd play it regularly, you know, every three hours or so. Okay, so my mom was one of eight kids. All the cousins, aunts and uncles, phoned in. <laughs> and it was we obliterated the opposition, let me tell you. So surfing became a big hit in, in L.A. and also Minneapolis and also Las Vegas. But it was an independent label who declared bankruptcy so they wouldn't have to pay us. But that liberated us to go to... Capital EMI, which surf in safari came and surf in USA. And I get around. and fun, fun, fun. It helped me run at California Girls. Not to say the guy made a mistake, but.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> things have changed a lot over the years, how things get to radio and what goes first, what goes second. But still, I just yes. think it must have been an amazing thing. Any, any artist who hears their song finally on the radio rather than. Oh, it's, it was exciting.
5: And it still is exciting. Yeah. You know,
2: it still is. And they you got a busy day. Last quick question for you. Um, my, my mom passed away a few years ago, and she loved harmony. And my mm-hmm. nine-year-old, who's named after her, one day she was singing in the kitchen, and she started singing harmony. And we didn't teach her. My w- wife and I looked at each other like, wow, this is like a kiss from God that my daughter is learning to sing harmony kind of on her own. Uh, and I know harmony is such a huge piece of, of what, you know, part of what Beach Boys is about and, and your music. Uh, any thoughts just on Harmony, either how it started for you, why you got so important it was so important for you? Well, or, the thing is specifically
5: my mother and her mom, my grandmother Wilson, um, <clears throat> they love music so much. My grandmother Wilson would have loved to have been a, <clears throat> a concert pianist. But she unfortunately, I mean or fortunately, she had nine children, eight lived to maturity. My mom sang in a trio on radio. I grew up in a house with a grand piano, an organ and a harp. And when the cousins got together, my cousins, particularly Brian and Carl, uh, the, I'd get Aunt Audrey or my mom or my sister would sing, we'd sing harmony together. So the element of harmony in the Beach Boys music was a. a born of love, the love of getting together and singing and harmonizing. It had nothing to do with money or career or anything. It was just the love of harmonizing. Wow! And, and so that love of the music and harmonizing is that essential ingredient. I think that transcends boundaries or borders. We just got back from two months in, in Europe, like England and, right. and the continent. So I, I think that's the secret sauce, if you will. It's, it's, it's what is part of all our... Uh, um, all our, our efforts in recording is, is the love of
2: harmony. Mike Love, Beach Boys, 12 Sides of summer's the new record. Thanks for taking time and hopefully we'll catch up with you again.
5: Well, bring that little nine-year-old to one of our shows sometime. I'd okay? like to do
2: that. I'd like to do ah. that.
5: All right. She would love it.
2: I bet. Have a wonderful All day. Right.
5: Okay. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye.
2: Mike Love of the Beach Boys, our guest capping off our program today. Again, the new album called 12 Sides of Summer, a mix of originals, Beach Boys covers, and covers of songs by other artists. Uh, we played a couple of those during their program. I think like we'll end with a little bit of the song that he was referring to, a cover of the Be- uh, Beatles song, Here uh, Comes His Son. We'll do that in a second. Thanks also to Bob Brookover, a Philadelphia Inquirer columnist and reporter, long time in this market, taking time to chat Phillies today and the trade deadline, which comes up this Wednesday at 4. And Danny Yohannan, the vice president of Gospel for Asia, started the hour with us talking about the water crisis there. You can find out more about the work they're doing, gfa.org. Let's give it as we head out the door, so to speak, from Mike Love's 12 Sides of Summer, kind of a jazzy, cool feel. A little bit of Here Comes the Sun, of course, originally done by the Beatles. Have a great rest of your evening. See ya.
5: Little darling, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Little darling. It feels like you since it's been here. But here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. And I say, it's all right.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com